I believe there are three kinds of people. Those that make big happen, those that let things happen, and those that ask, what happened? Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. Very special episode. We are live from the Go Abundance event in Park City, Utah. And our guest is flat out awesome. His name is Mark Moses, and he is a world-renowned keynote speaker and CEO coach who shares what he has learned working with over 875 companies with a combined annual revenue stream of $50 billion. He's the author of the international best-selling book, Make Big Happen. In his follow-up book, Making Big Happen, he is the founding partner of CEO Coaching International, which coaches CEOs on how to dramatically grow their revenue and profits, implement the most effective strategies, become better leaders, grow their people, build accountability systems, and elevate their own performance. Mark, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you here. Dr. Richard, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I want to start by kind of peeling back the onion a little bit. Let's hop in a time machine together. Take us back to your journey. I want to know what is your why and what got you started on that why? Wow. So I grew up in Canada in a small town, 250 miles north of Toronto. It's called Sudbury. It was a blue-collar mining town. And um, in the, it, probably the most meaningful thing that happened to me as a kid was... Um, my dad went bankrupt in my last year of high school. Our town went through some economic troubles with the two local mines going on strike. And that really shaped where my life went after that. So while truly unfortunate for my father, it was the greatest gift I was ever given and that enabled me to learn to fend for myself. So. My dad gave me $1,000 and said, son, that's the best I can do. And at that time, I had to make a choice whether I was going to go to college or not. And uh, I chose to go to college. And $1,000, of course, was not enough to pay for college, even if it was in Canada. And the first year I got through with loans and grants, and then I started my own business at 19 while I was in college, that enabled me to pay for college. And, and it, was, it was amazing. It was, uh, I started a, a student painter franchise business back then. And in the first summer at 19 years old, I did $70,000 worth of house painting and made $18,000. And the next summer, when I was 20, I did $120,000 for the business, made $35,000 in the summer. I was going to college to become an accountant. I said, Oh my God, an accountant. 
I could hire an accountant and I'm going to become an entrepreneur. So when I graduated from college, I packed up my U-Haul. I drove south to Amarillo, Texas, turned right and drove right into California and started my first business there. That's wild. And, you know, the, the lessons were there. Usually we don't get these lessons so early. You nailed it 19, 20 years old and you knew, okay, I'm going to start a business. And so what happened next? So I, I don't know that I really knew. I felt like I didn't have a choice. So there's part of when your back's up against the wall and you don't have a choice. It's amazing what you can get inspired to do or not to do. So I, I got to California. I set up this business. I set up the same student painter business rather than being the franchisee. I now became the franchisor. And uh, we grew this thing to 250 locations, 3,000 people in four years. And when I was 26, I uh, sold the business. It was amazing, amazing learning, leaving Canada, going to the United States, opening a business, going to a place like California that I'd never been before. I'm coming out of a small town. Everything there was big. And um, I was inspired to let it roll, see what would happen. And so 26, you've now had success and you've done this. When did the light bulb go on in your head that you could really scale things in a large manner, make a huge impact? When, when did you get on that path? I, I guess while I was doing this, our audience, the 250 locations were made up of college students that wanted to learn how to run their own business. And the light bulb that went on was the same light bulb that went on for me when I was in college and began to learn, begun to learn how to run my, my own business. And that was really inspiring to watch all these 19 and 20 and 21 year old business students or communication students, even engineering students, learn how to run their own business. So it begun then, but it carried on as my life went on. And you know, I, I want to take a little bit of time and talk about Make Big Happen. And we can, we can jump back to the business journey, but I, I don't want to miss this point because it's, it's important. So at what junction did you say, I'm going to write a book? And how did you know you know, what this book was going to be about? What was that calling for you? I have a really good friend uh, named Jack Daly. And Jack is one of the top sales and sales management speakers around the world. Um, and he said, Mark, I think it's time for you to write a book. And I said, Jack, I, I'm not a writer. What am I going to write about? And uh, he connected me with a, a publisher and that helped me frame the book. And the book was about or is about how to live the life that you want and build the business that you want. So how do you get both and be satisfied with both? And the book really is about four simple questions. What do you want? How do you get what you want? What's going to stand in the way of you getting what you want? And own, owning what's going to stand in the way. And then how do you hold yourself accountable to get what you want? And that's really what the book is all about. And it, it, I weave in my own life story and also the stories of uh, a number of clients that have had incredible success. Let's take a bit of a deeper dive. Uh, how, so you're li somebody's listening to this like, yep, I want that book. How do you get what you want? Well, 
if you can't define it, you can't measure it. And if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So the first thing you need to do is, like if I said to you, Dr. Richard, it's three years from now, and you and I are uh, celebrating big because you achieved what? Could you clearly define what that what is? And then imagine if I asked you this question, what is the number one specific and measurable activity you will keep score on every day, every week, every month, every quarter to drive that outcome that you want? Well, a lot of people start to, most people suffer with that question. Then we'll go to one year from, what success one year from now if you know what you want three years from now? And then what's the number one or number one and two specific and measurable activities you'll keep score on to drive that outcome. And if you don't have clarity on what you want, I promise you, you won't get it. But if you do have clarity, the probability of you achieving that, is, it goes up exponentially. We, uh, as a family, posted our goals on the fridge from the time our kids were six years old. And on the fridge with photos um, and images. And uh, every time somebody would come over, they'd see the whole family's goals on the fridge. And every day or every year on uh, New Year's Day, um, you had to review the goals at our family, annual family meeting, how you did and why, and what your goals were for the following year. And you had to present to the family and those goals would get posted on the fridge. But it's amazing how we watched our kids who are now 22 and 21 turn into achievers by having clarity of what they wanted. So it, it, you don't only need to be an adult to have this happen. You can ingrain this behavior in your youth. I love that. So, so as your kids really started that, how old were they? Uh, my son was six and my daughter was seven when okay. we got when we got that show rolling. Me, you know, and my wife pushed back. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't have goals. It's like, hey, let's get on the program. We got to set a good example here. And that example carries through to today. That's so beautiful. And in your next book, Making Big Happen. So you, the first book was a big success. You didn't rest on your laurels. Talk to us about why you wrote that book and what that one's all about. The first book, um, I think it's over 200,000 copies have been uh, sold in that book. In the second book, this took me and my three co-authors four years to write. People would always ask us, how is it possible that you've had so many exits for your clients that are big, like over $100 million or $500 million? We've had four of them that have been over a billion dollars. What are the practices that those that really succeed have versus those that don't? And at the end of the day, it comes down to just a few things. So we built an execution framework that any business leader, CEO, or entrepreneur could follow the pieces that they want to improve the execution in their business. It's simple for a leader to pick up the book, read it, get inspired by all the cool stories and go, I can do that too. And I'm willing to follow the methodology to see if I can drive that outcome. But I, I suspect, as many of these books are, even if you're not a CEO or, or an entrepreneur, there's a framework that you could apply to your life and use this to make improvements across the board. Especially as it relates to the book, Make Big Happen. That was the feedback on the reviews on Amazon. People would say that it's a great culmination of many books and this framework applies to me as a leader 
or it even applies to me and my family on how to really get the most out of what we want as a family. So take us through a little bit of that framework. I know we don't have time to go through all of it, but but take us through some of the main tenets of that. So in, in making big happen, the, 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 it's really based on three parts. One of them is seven business rhythms that are based on what to do every other year, every year, every quarter, every month, every week, every day. And then it's based on going back to the four make big happen questions on getting clarity on what you want and how you're going to get it in your process of accountability. And it has about 30 tools in the book. So for example, if you're growing by acquisition or you want to build, you're dreaming about the future and you want to build your vision roadmap for the future, or you're thinking about at scale, today I'm a, a $5 million business and I dream about being 50. What does my org chart look like at 50? And what can I do to be moving in that direction today? So it walks you through what pieces that you're ready to take on today to put in place. So the framework is easy to follow. You pick and choose what parts resonate based on where you are in your journey today. So kind of this a la carte menu of things that you can do depending on where you are. So you mentioned seven rhythms, and that was interesting to me. So why rhythm? Why, why call it a rhythm? Why not just a step or seven activities? You know, we like the word rhythm because I think it's, um, it's something that you ought to do continuously. So take, for example, as simple as uh, an annual plan. Get clarity. Every time I go into a company and, they, and I say, what do you guys want to get out of today? They all say the same thing. We want to get clear on our goals. Who owns what? Get buy-in and alignment from each of us and have a cool culture and enhance the way we communicate with each other. That's pretty standard at just about every company in the world. That's what they want. Now take the quarterly rhythm um, about getting together with your leadership team and reviewing the following. What went right this quarter? What went wrong? What did we learn? So we don't make the same mistakes again. How did we do compared to how we said we would do on our goals? How did we do compared to how we said we would do on the specific and measurable activities we were keeping score on that we said would drive the outcome that we wanted? Where do we want to be by the next quarter? And what are the specific and measurable activities that we can keep score on that'll drive that outcome and who owns what by when? And that, and then having a scorecard for all of it, a one-page dashboard that keeps score on all these activities. Keep in mind, I'm using the word activities. Activities are leading indicators, not lagging indicators. Most people report on their lagging indicators, not their leading indicators. That's interesting. And kind of in the way that healthcare is designed to react to symptoms, not be preventative. That's a very radical position and it's very logical, but it's not what we think about, right? When we're reporting on numbers, we're reporting on, you know, hirings and firings and whatnot. Very different. So I I love the way that you frame that. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. 
I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. What I'm also curious about, because you've worked with some of the largest companies, some of the most successful companies, what are the pitfalls that one should avoid? And, and you know, perhaps if we can even take that a step further into translating that into home life. That's a great question. Um, well, you, you took me off guard on the home life. I was ready to answer a different way. But, I, but, but listen, um, there's... Um, um, I'll say this as it relates to the home life. Um, I was going to use it for the business life too, but your ego is not your amigo. Communication, just like in the workplace, um, being a good communicator at home and really listening before you react is helpful at home too. If you want to inspire your family, get clarity on what the family wants. For example, a family bucket list. Well, your bucket list may be different than a family's bucket list or you and your spouse. What's the top three items that you want to do together and and by when? And so these are examples of how you can apply some of this in, in your home life. My wife and I, we learned very early on when we got married that um, we went away every quarter just the two of us, even when we had young kids that were less than a year old and two and three and five or however old they were, because it was good for us. And if we were good, the family is good. So I think um, if you ask me the, um, the number one thing that determines one's happiness, what I have learned is who you choose to marry. If you get that that one thing right, everything else works. If you get that wrong, you're going you're gonna to struggle on, until you figure out either how to get it right or make a change that enables you um, to, we'll call it, uh, try again. Try again. Mark, I'm also curious, you, as we all know, the business world, the world, has shifted, has changed because of COVID. And so what are the things that you're seeing that's different for success due to COVID and the changes that, that you've had to make for what you're helping people with? Yeah, Dr. Richards, great question. I did um, um, two CBS uh, um, shows on this um, over the holidays and it was really about the great resignation, uh, or as the Microsoft CEO refers to it, it's the great reshuffle. And um, it's really one of the things that um, as part of people resigning and they're, what they're really saying is, Dr. Richard, I'm leaving you and I'm going to go somewhere else where there's more alignment around values. And also, the world has changed. The whole world has learned, almost the whole world has learned how to work remote and having flexibility as an employer matters. 
And half the people want to come into the office because they want that energy from the people around them. Well, half the people don't want to come into the office anymore. And they like the flexibility that COVID has taught us that many roles or most roles in a lot of ways can be done remote and we don't need to be, and I can create my own schedule. So if you ask me the biggest thing for people to have learned through COVID is the element of flexibility and having an open mind to flexibility. You're too rigid. You're going to be a victim of the great resignation. What have you found about boundaries with COVID? Because in the traditional work model, whether you're white collar, blue collar, you go to work and you come home, right? And so now as we've shifted into this virtual world, the the line of, uh, isn't so clear anymore, right? Like nobody has crafted the Ten Commandments of telework where it says thou shall not respond to an email after 6 p.m., right? But we're seeing that there's an increase, though the flexibility is appreciated, certainly, we're seeing an increase in mental health issues, partially because of the isolation, but partially because of the stress of you're working all the time. Dr. Richard, I love that you're talking to Mark Moses about the Ten Commandments. It's fantastic. So um, <laughs> h- hilarious how you how you weave that in here today. Um, but, but listen, uh, yeah, there's scope creep these days in do I work Monday to Friday? Do I work nine to five or eight to four? Do I have flexibility to take my kids to school or do my shopping in the middle of the day or go to the gym, the chiropractor, the acupuncturist, the doctor? And do I get up early? Do I work late? Does it, does it roll into the weekends? I think both employers and employees are still learning their way with that in how to manage that and, and look with, uh, with the cell phones and texting and it, nobody can ever rest anymore. So it's, it's creating um, boundaries on both sides for employees and, and employees, what works for the two of them. And I, I think that is continuously evolving and the culture of each company will be different. And the tolerance of both the employer and the leader and the tolerance of the employees is going to be a measure that determines whether what's right for me in my life right now. And people are going to walk with their feet and go to where there's the most flexibility that works for them and their values and the life that they want to lead right now. I'm going to have you put on, we already did your, your Moses. So I'm going to, I'm going to transition you uh, out of the Old Testament, but into a prophecy and into more of a prophet role here. Put on your your uh, Swami hat. What does the workplace look like <laughs> 10 years from now? Dr. Richard, it's going to continue to evolve. I believe that this reshuffle that's taken place, this, um, I have a client that um, added 31,000 employees all remote in countries all over the world, including countries where internet connections and Wi-Fi's aren't as good, where we had to send them laptops and Wi-Fi's to be able to run their businesses. 
I believe that the world is going to continue to go more and more remote and require employers with a tremendous more flexibility than they've ever had, or they're going to find themselves struggling to find top talent. I like that a lot. I think, I think you're right on point. Mark, this has been illuminating, fun, and informative. As you know, I wrap up every episode of my show by asking my guests this one question. What is your biggest helping, that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Well, I believe there are three kinds of people. Those that make big happen, those that let things happen, and those that ask, what happened? I believe you can build any life that you want to build. If you can define it, you can now start walking towards that step. Don't let anybody tell you what life you can or can't have. That's up to you. Success comes in a can, not a can't. Dr. Richard, thank you for having me. Man, that was so well said. Mark, tell us where people can find you online. They can find us at uh, CEOcoachinginternational.com. If they're interested in either of our two books, Make Big Happen or Making Big Happen, you can find them on Amazon. Perfect. And we'll have links to everything. Mark Moses at thedailyhelping.com in the show notes for this episode. Well, Mark, it was awesome having you today. Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, doctor. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you who tuned into this. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because this one helps other people find the show. Most importantly, they'll go do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are. Post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 